on this episode. It's Halloween. Welcome to the Iron Right Tattoo Podcast. What's up? What's up? This is Halloween. Oh, no. I know. I've never seen that movie all the way through. Be lucky. Never. Not once. Tattooing ruined it for me. I can understand that. <sighs> it's uh, one of those fandoms that's really cringy. I don't... Mm, I think that's just... I mean, I, I have my own issues with Tim Burton in general, though. No, I feel you. I do like... <clears throat> I don't like, like the, Tim Burton movies... I don't like the vibe, the aesthetic. I don't get it. Some of the aesthetics I like. Um, I saw a fan theory recently. Of? That, uh, so Frank and Weenie, mm-hmm. the kid and the dog, mm-hmm. and in the corpse bride, there's like an adult and a dog. Mm-hmm. And then in Nightmare Before Christmas, there's like Jack Skellington and the ghost dog. And Zero. The, the theory yeah. is that they're all the same characters, just like at different points in his life. I can see that. It kind of matches. <clears throat> I do like Zero, though. To an extent. So, the long-awaited, ill-prepared Halloween episode, the Iron Right Tattoo Podcast. This week that this episode is airing is officially the week of Halloween. Like, it's days away. <clears throat> I was going to do a yell laugh, but... I got too nervous. I need you to speak up a little bit. I know, you know, you've had a morning. It's rainy and kind of cold and wet outside. Is this uh, better? That seems better, yeah. Okay. I just need to readjust my lungs. Yeah, yeah. Just That's um, what it was. Try moving them somewhere else. Like pop them, maybe. Hold on. Oh, yeah, pop my lungs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <clears throat> a lot going on in our lives that's... Yeah. Trying to mess with us, but... It, this week was pretty tight, though. We persevered. Well, it's just like... Tell me about your week. One, one day, really. So one day of this week was pretty yeah. tight. Um, what was that? Tuesday, uh, Gibbs started my knee, but Oof. it was also the same day that the universe <clears throat> realigned. Okay. Uh Tom has officially joined back. Flink 182. The universe is now restored. I think the most like horrific, scary, like spooky part of this episode is going to be um, how old you are <laughs> and that you still have this obsession with Blink 182. They're my favorite. I don't know what else to say. I think you spooky. <laughs> I, uh, I am pretty spooky. <clears throat> So, oh, Whoa, that, that scared well, shit out of me. <laughs> I should probably preface. I'm so sorry. This this episode, <laughs> I pray to sweet baby Jesus that it's not super hard to listen to. But I I was sick this week. I'm still getting over that. Um, mainly just in the respiratory department, which is probably the worst department for a podcast. Yeah, you know. Uh, but 
kudos to you for not breathing heavily into the microphone. I'm now. trying not to. I actually am like extremely self conscious. So like about when I'm breathing. not talking, I go like, and then when I have to breathe, you just be cutting them off. No, I just like I lean, uh, as Tazon Day would say, oh. leans away from the mic to breathe. Do you understand the reference at all? Chocolate rain. Yes. Okay. I did some research last night. You know, I'm thinking Halloween. Spooky, right? Yeah. And, you know, ghosts and witches and vampires, all that stuff's spooky. It's fun, you know? It's a fun spook. But uh, I think that the spookier side of life would have to be the fact that um, we tend to murder each other from time to time. Who's we? Humans. <laughs> Okay. So I just I wanted to see I wanted to do a little research and figure out um like what are some murders that have taken place on Halloween you know and I found some interesting stories would you like me to share some with you Oh uh, yes okay do we need do we have any like intro catch up stuff we need to get through first before we jump right into just spooking people um not really. I was going to think of like what came out, but I'm trying not to talk about movies. Is your phone on silent? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Do we need to put it in another room? No. Because I think this would be the either third or fourth week that it's happened. That your son's school has called on Monday morning as soon as we hit record. So we're good? We're good. All right, brother. So. It's not okay. <laughs> Reach for your phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, all right, we're good. And then you just hear, <laughs> would be my luck. Yeah. Uh, the year's 1974. Okay. This is kind of where it all started, okay? So Timothy O'Brien, he's eight years old. He returns home to his Houston house after a fun night of trick-or-treating, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, his father, Ronald O'Brien, okay, it's like, you know what? Time to go to bed. I'm going to give you one last piece of candy. He gives him a Pixie Sticks. You remember those? Yeah. It was like a straw full of a powdered sugar delicious confection that you would just pour in your mouth. Okay? Nicely described. Uh, Timothy tore it open, downed it. Boom. Delish. Okay? Goes to bed just happy as a clam. Within moments, okay, he starts vomiting, dies on his way to the hospital. Eight-year-old Timmy. So, obviously, Ronald's getting questioned. Mm -hmm. Changes his story a multitude of times. Um, <clears throat> and that's basically when the police found out that Ronald poisoned his son. Mm. He was in uh, extreme debt. So, he took out a life insurance policy on his kid, poisoned his pixie sticks candy with cyanide. Mm. Yep. Um, and he was given the death penalty by lethal injection. And Tight. that story is the reason, like, it, that's where it started, the whole check your kid's candy, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Because to this day, we're still checking the candy. Yeah. Like, now it's almost become, like, urban legend type yeah. thing. But that is based on a real incident that happened in 1974. That's crazy. Rest in peace, Timmy O'Brien. Yeah, that's really effed up. Yeah, and... It did say that he took out, so the, the verbiage they used was to say that he took out a life insurance policy on his 
kids, meaning there's multiple. Yeah. I do not know, did he intend to kill multiple? Or do you think he had a serious, like... Like Like a guilt thing? No, do you think he had, like, a meeting with himself about, like, like, which kid could I live without? Like, who's Probably. You know? But he probably also planned on poisoning all of them. You think so? I think so. But that might have been a little too sus, right? Well, maybe that was, like, the main plan, and then, like... It was only a couple hours, right? You said that... It, no, it, well, there, I mean, it's not like it gives you an exact timeline, but it does yeah. say he ate it, and then, like, within within a few moments, yeah. he started vomiting and stuff. I don't know what the shelf life is on cyanide, like, how <laughs> quick that stuff works, but, you know. That's what I was also thinking about, too, when you were telling them, like, what kind of, like, substance could he put in there to make it kind of like a pixie stick? Yeah. And I was thinking cyanide or anthrax but i don't think anthrax was a thing till like the 90s right well i mean it was a thing i just don't think we had the big anthrax scare till after yeah 9 11 mm-hmm. you know when people were like sending it in the mail i remember that that was a weird point in human yeah. history when everyone was scared to like check their mail everybody was like shaking their mail to see if there was anthrax like a powder in it <clears throat> uh this one okay Leslie Mazzara, Adrienne Insonia, and Lauren Mianza. Okay? <sighs> Enjoying the festivities. It's Halloween night. They're handing out candy. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're not trick-or-treating. These are um, from my... They didn't say their ages, but I got the um, impression that these are like adult women. Okay? Okay. Like young adults. Yeah. Roommates live together. This takes place in Napa, California. Uh, This is in 2004, okay? So at around 11, um, all three women decide, like, it's time to go to bed. We're wrapping it up. Not knowing there would be one more visitor that night. Mianza um, wakes up hearing a scream from the upstairs bedroom. She doesn't even investigate, okay? Darts out the house, drives away. But she left the other two roommates behind. Mm-hmm. She just heard a scream. I need to get out of here, get help, whatever. Um, and the other two ladies were stabbed to death upstairs. Halloween night. Eric Matthew Koppel, who was a friend of one of the victims, turned himself in and confessed to the murders. Mm-hmm. Um, but he literally never released his motive. He never said why he did it. Halloween night, he went in there with the intention of murdering all three women, but the one girl gets in the car, drives away, when she, mm. as soon as she hears it going down, which I, I also find like oddly little, sus, yeah. right? Um, but And he has a life sentence without parole, and she's never really mentioned again. Now, I didn't do crazy research yeah. into every detail of the story. I kind of just read like the Cliff's Notes versions, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I found like a couple articles online that were talking about murders on Halloween, and I just kind of am basing this off of the stuff that they yeah. wrote, you know? But uh, isn't that kind of sus? Uh, yeah, uh, because if like, you're hearing like blood-girdling screams from yeah. upstairs. You don't just grab keys and dart. Like you want yeah. to at least like, oh my God, are you okay? What's going on? Yeah. You know? And I think that makes me believe that she was probably in on it somehow or like knew 
like something was happening or was going to happen that night. Well, and what's weird is it says a friend of the girls. Yeah, but it doesn't so, say of who. But it, but there's also no romantic connection according to that one article. Yeah. You know? Like it doesn't say that it was so-and-so's boyfriend or something like that. Just a random friend. She grabs the keys and darts. They get stabbed to death. And then he turns himself in. Yeah. It's like, yep, I did it. No, I'm not going to tell you why. Did it say how long, like... Time went on before he turned himself in. No, no, no. But again, very base level research, yeah. you know. So I thought that one was interesting because, um, of the situation. Lauren Mianza. I've got questions. Yeah, you know. I think we all have questions, Lauren. So I'd like to invite you onto no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshihiro Hatori. Okay. He's a foreign exchange student from Japan, okay? 1992, so this is here in America. He's here as a foreign exchange student. So it's 1992. He's in New Orleans. He leaves the house to go to a Halloween party. Okay. Okay. He doesn't know the neighborhood. Um, and he was he was struggling to find the address, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, from what I've read, it sounds like he went out alone, uh, unfamiliar neighborhood. I assume he had been there for at least a little bit of time. If he'd yeah. been there long enough to be invited to parties and stuff like that, but he leaves his house, going to a Halloween costume party. Um, he thought he found the house, so he goes up, knocks on the door. Okay, um, nobody answered the door, so he turns around and starts walking back to his car. Um, all of a sudden, the door to the house swings open. And Hattori said, um, we're here for the party. And at that point, he was shot in the head with a revolver. Dang. Yeah. That sounds like a setup. uh, Well, as it turns out, Hattori was at the wrong address. Mm. Um, And when they questioned the homeowner, the police, the guy that that shot him, uh, a guy named Rodney Pierce, um, he claimed that he was scared. And he thought the student was trespassing on his property with criminal intent. So instead of opening the door, who are you? Get off my property. Yeah. So anyways, I started blasting. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's um, so messed up. And he was charged with manslaughter, but he did invoke the castle doctrine, which is a law that states that you're you're able to defend your home, basically. Yeah. Um, and he was found not guilty. By the jury, which I think is uh, is I I'm a gun owner. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in the Castle Doctrine. But from the brief synopsis I read of this yeah. story, it doesn't sound like this was that. No, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it even says that that Hattori had had turned around to walk back to his car. Like clearly, they were not there with any ill intent. Mm-hmm. You know. And this dude was just like, ah! Maybe he had some... That's... I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's little... It's got like Gran Torino vibes written all over it. That's bit. what I imagine. Maybe it was racially motivated. <laughs> well, yeah, he just opened the door. We're here for the party. Boom! Yeah. You know? Like... And then, what? Party? <laughs> <laughs> Ask questions later. The saddest thing that I found in that, in that story... Um, 
because that story is from an article written in Japan today. So it was actually a Japanese article that was written about, yeah. a, you know, what happened to <clears throat> the foreign exchange student. Yeah. Um, Hattori's father said, sometimes I feel like he's still in America. Someday he'll come back home. Damn. Right? Yeah, that hurts. Gut-wrenching. It's got Pixar written all over it. Oh, it's got some sad stories, you know? Yeah, that is true. It's like got up vibes. 1981. Sister, Tadia Benz. Body was found naked in a convent in Texas. So sister and convent implies that she was a nun. Okay. Okay. Um, the other nuns saw that there was a broken window Mm -hmm. in like the communal area okay so there's like a community room and then there's everybody's kind of got their bedroom there's a broken window um immediately they call the police and they found uh so the cops show up they're doing their search and they find benz's clothing and a knife under the bed um and then the body's taken away, and autopsy reveals that the nun was stabbed, strangled, and sexually assaulted. Um, so the police, uh, and during their research, they wind up arresting a man who lives across the street from the convent named Johnny Frank Garrett. And they he was a suspect, and they wound up eventually arresting him because a witness saw him running from the convent that evening. Okay, mm. so someone saw him running away. Uh, he was convicted and sentenced to death in 1992. And apparently, according to reports, his last words were, I'd like to thank my family for loving me and taking care of me. The rest of the world can kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm sorry people man yeah people the dude's obviously sick in the head i mean you gotta be you know yeah i mean that's like something out of a movie yeah a bad movie wasn't there that horror movie about the nun what if that was her like she came back and no that movie was terrible i mean it looked terrible i I won't watch it it looks stupid it's very stupid but that so he literally lived across the street yes across the street Broke into the window. Breaks in. Uh, rapes, strangled. Yeah. Stabs. Rapes, stabs. Strangles to death. And then hides the knife and her clothes under a bed. Like leaves everything there. Yeah. And so, okay, under a bed. So that means it would have been in the bedroom. So he broke in in the community room, but then Worked went into her bedroom. Way, yeah. yeah. Went into her bedroom, murdered her while everyone else was in their bed. Were the other nuns there? Is it, well, that's what it says. Is like the next morning or whatever, the nuns mm. saw the broken window, so they started investigating. I guess that's when they find her body. They call the police. So during the investigation, the police get reports that somebody saw him okay. running across the street the the night prior. Yeah. It would, it would, what I'm thinking is, why was she there all alone? But she wouldn't have been. She would have been alone in her room. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone had their own separate, like, bedroom. Mm-hmm. Almost like, uh, think of it like a like a dorm. Yeah. 
You know, so it's like a building where there's a communal area, stuff like that, but everybody still has their own little, like, bedroom. But don't you think somebody, if somebody else was there, they would have heard it? That's what I'm thinking. Like, how does she get raped, strangled, stabbed to death? Yeah. And nobody hears it. Or even the window breaking. Yeah, true. But, I mean, we also, we don't know the layout of the building. Yeah. You know, like. I don't know. Glass shattering is yeah, pretty loud. But, but I, I don't know. Maybe it was concrete walls insulated well maybe the communal room is like on the opposite end of the property as yeah. the dorms are like who knows you know did he do a barrel roll as he <clears throat> jumped through the window i don't want to glorify this man and think of him as an action star nate okay i mean i wasn't trying breaks. to sorry we good <laughs> uh <laughs> so in 1998 Okay. Throwing eggs as a harmless Halloween prank mm-hmm. went south. Okay. I guess you, it went rotten. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Twenty one year old Bronx resident Carl Jackson. Okay. Twenty one year old man living in the Bronx. Okay. Carl with a K Jackson. And his girlfriend um went to go pick her, so his girlfriend has a son who was at like a Halloween party. They go to pick her son up. Um, Upon getting there, some teenagers bust out and egg the, their car. Okay. Mm-hmm. Harmless prank, like annoying, whatever. So Jackson hops out to go yell at the teens. You know what I mean? I feel like we all would, right? Yeah. Um, And then one of the teens pulls out a gun and shoots him in the head. <laughs> Yeah. 17-year-old Curtis Sterling. Second-degree murder and criminal possession of a weapon. He's serving 20 years. He eggs this man's car. The man gets out to confront him, shoots him in the head. Halloween night, 1998. It's ridiculous. Yep. This is the best part. According to the New York Times, so, you know, grain of salt. Fake news. Uh, every year since 1998, well, they said he was serving 20 years. So, I mean, that means he would have got out in 2018. Yeah. Anyway, every year, Carl Jackson's mother wrote a card on Halloween and sent it to Curtis Sterling. So, victim's mom mm-hmm. sends it to murderer's murderer that says, I'm glad you're still in there every year on Halloween. Hey, I don't blame her. <coughs> w mom, am I right? Yeah. Common mom W, you know? Um, So those were some stories that I found interesting. Excuse me. Yeah, those are pretty pretty uh, distinctive for a Halloween night. And I guess because what Halloween, the original, came out in the late 70s. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel mean, like that kind of just... You made feel like it, it has a it had like some kind of impact. Well, I, I mean Halloween in general. Um yeah. if we're if we're going back into like the history of Halloween, you know, it wasn't a holistic fun family thing. No. You know. I mean literally we would so hum, humans would uh dress in costume yeah. because they felt they were scaring off evil spirits. Yeah. I remember right? I was reading about that yesterday. Yeah. Which is like 
I don't know. Is it like an oxymoron? What? To like, well, I, I guess I don't know. Is it? I mean, think about because um, now we so there's a moth, as those but there's a moth. Okay, um, it's a large moth, and it has these very two large distinctive circles, mm-hmm. one on each of its bigger wings. Okay, and if it sits in a tree upside down and flares its wings out, it looks like an owl's face, and it does that as a defense mechanism. Yeah, it tries to make itself look bigger and scarier than it is, so that way the things that would actually come and eat the moth would. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think it is an oxymoron. I think it makes sense. Like, I need to appear more threatening than I am. It's the same reason they say, like, uh, if a bear's attacking you, try to stand as tall, raise your arm over your heads, make loud noises. Like, you need to look bigger and scarier than you really yeah. are. There's to- some other ways I've heard of scaring off a bear that I won't go into detail. It's oh, scaring off a bear? Yeah. Like fighting one off or scaring one off? Like both. Fighting one off, scaring one off. Dude, but go- you have to get an altercation. I'm not going to go over it. It's kind of... It's like nuts or... It's kind of stupid. Like the fist down the throat thing? Yeah. <laughs> that dude killed a mountain lion, was it? it Doing made, that? It made news reports, yeah. That's he literally like tight, stuck though. his fist down a mountain lion's throat that was attacking him and choked it to death. <laughs> like he imagine? wins, dude. Yeah. That they- dude's testosterone is through the roof. You know, big balls, right? Like I feel like he, I'd be scared. That, that, that's how he could have killed the mountain lion. He could have just like whapped his balls and you know, <laughs> crushed that thing's like, face. Yeah, jo- yeah. Because you're supposed to stick throat, it, dude, and then like grab it or something like that, right? I don't know. I don't know what you even be grabbing. I think it's maybe just to choke it, yeah, and to keep it because once your arm, like it can't bite down as much. Because like the the mass of your arm is like forcing its jaw to stay open. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My man, can you imagine the the Do, claws? Be it while be it. while you're choking it. Yeah. You know those claws are going ham. Mm-hmm. It'd be a shame if that mountain lion had a gag reflex. <laughs> <laughs> Giant <laughs> furball. <laughs> man, I dude, that guy though. Yeah, you know. There's like, how do you top that story? You know, like like imagine being that guy's friend or like brother. Oh, I got a promotion I at be work. Surprised He's like, oh, that's cool. I killed a mountain lion with my <laughs> bare hands. I wouldn't be surprised if his name was Chad. It's it's big Chad energy, yeah, for sure. He might be the Chad, possibly. You know, like if we traced later. traced it back, I could I could see finding out that his name is Chad. And that's where the whole like Chad internet lore started was this man murdering a mountain lion with his bare hand. Those things are so scary though. Yeah, they are. They're terrifying. And I he used, murdered one. I used to think, oh no, it's not terrifying. Turns out on Halloween. No, I'm <laughs> there was one I saw, I think Joe Rogan reposted it, but it was like a mountain lion or a cougar like coming at a dude and he like pulls out his pistol oh, yeah. and like shoots the ground next to it. No, he tried to shoot it, but he was so focused on um <clears throat> recording that he missed yeah. it twice from like ten feet away. Still tight though. Uh man kills mountain lion. I, I need this. Colorado man. Who killed attacking mountain lion with his bare hands recalls the wrestling match is what he referred to it as. Dang. Travis Kaufman. 
man. Okay, Travis Kaufman, when he was 31, he's running on some trails in Fort Collins, okay? Mm-hmm. Turned his head because he heard a rustling in the trees to see a mountain lion about 10 feet away from him. Uh, his immediate response, it says here on, this is on NBC News website, put his hands up and scream in an attempt to scare off the lion, but the animal lunged at him. He tried to protect his face, so he puts his arms up. Um, and that's when, when the mountain lion latched onto his, his left wrist and started clawing at him. He tried to throw the lion off. They both tumbled down a slope on the side of the trail. And from there, it was just a wrestling match. He said, he's five foot 10, weighs 150 to 155. 25 of that is testicles. It's in the article. I didn't, you know. I believe you. Uh, once he's able to get back on top of the animal and he pinned its back legs, he was trying to use his free hand to grab sticks to stab the lion's neck. But the sticks kept breaking. That's how t- <laughs> tough this thing's neck is. It's just snapping sticks, sticks all right? Uh, so he reached for a large rock to hit it on the head. That didn't work either. Damn. Um, yeah. So then I stepped on its neck, eventually was able to suffocate it. Okay. So that's not the original story that I had heard, but I probably heard like a internet exaggerated version of the story, you know, but regardless, like that's tough. It was just pure adrenaline. There was a certain point where I just kind of imagined being stuck on this hillside and just having a cat gnaw at me, which is a pretty creepy way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine, though? You get attacked by a giant cat. You're just being, like, mauled to death. That sounds horrifying. 20 stitches on his face. So that thing was, like, clawing at his face. Contusions, puncture wounds to his legs and neck. Uh, Is there a picture of him? (laughs) Uh, It said he was reluctant to come forward because he felt he would never be able to live up to the reputation. (laughs) I mean, he is. He's like a he's a like a small kind of you know skinny guy. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 Kaufman. That's Kaufman. Just out here murdering mountain lions. You know, in the great combat, the game of man versus nature. Mm-hmm. Kaufman won. Kaufman won nature zero. And he didn't even have to drink his own piss. He didn't, not once. No. He probably drank blood from the still beating heart of a mountain lion that he just tore from its chest. Like the Aztecs. Yes. And then he had like the whistle, <laughs> the, the scream thing, you know. Uh, on that note, it's just about break time, first ad break. When we come back, uh, we have a very special segment specific to this Halloween episode where you guys share your spooky stories with us. We're going to read some, we're going to hear some, and um, we're going to judge greatly. Be right back.
So, did you get, you had a few people that were going to send you stories. Yeah. And then didn't. No. Didn't come through. Only one that sent me one was my brother, but. He sent you half a story. Yeah, because he sent it through Instagram. Yeah. And it only lets you send a minute long. Mm, mm, mm. And his story was almost, it was more of like a war story. Yeah. Than like a spooky story. Yeah, IED going off in the middle of the road. They were taking uh, like food and water to like the civilians and stuff. Mm -hmm. Got blown Um, up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He lost someone, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which I can understand that being horrifying. Uh, yeah, and it probably is the scariest thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, uh, there's a couple. Real more, world horrors. Yeah. More, you know. Um, I tried to get my mom to do one, and she yeah. didn't want to do it, but. No. Um, <laughs> most would be. Nine. Does she have spooky stories that she's ever told you? Uh, no, but the reason why she won't go and watch scary movies at the movie theater anymore uh-huh. is because of The Exorcist, which at that time was yeah. the scariest I suppose. movie at that. I it, suppose. Because I think that came out before Halloween. I want some of them Motherland stories, though, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and then I had an occurrence last night on my way home. Kind of. A little bit. Kind of. It, it spooked me for like half a second. Half a second. You know, it's pouring down rain. I'm like driving like. Hold on, let me set the seat. Yeah, it's driving down, the, down the road. It's pouring down rain. 75, I'm going 45. <laughs> Windows are down. And I look in my rear view mirror and I see something flapping. I'm like, yo, what is that? It's a... Uh, my windshield covered things to what what do you what would you call them uh it's like a wind visor no yeah. it's it's like the big metal thing you put up in the windshield so your car doesn't get too hot yeah and it was just flapping i and i can barely see it in my rearview mirror like freaked out a Were little bit you having bit. like a gothica moment yeah where well, she sees like the ghost in the rearview mirror yeah well the reason why that kind of freaked me out there's this video i saw about a year ago. I'm pretty sure I showed it to you. It's like a taxi cab uh, in like Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they go underneath the bridge. Yeah, and you when can the, see in when the like video. When like the light passes over, yeah. there's like a something in there and then it's yeah, gone. Yeah, it literally looks like uh, an apparition of like a, a Japanese woman, like hair all in the face and stuff. And For sure. Coming out of the tunnel, it like disappears. But while in the tunnel, which is about like a minute and a half long, you can see it pretty clearly. Yeah, it's pretty spooked. Um, one second. Should I go over the this, uh, spooky little mic flip that <laughs> happens? Dang! I come back, sit down. My microphone turned upside down for no reason. Must have been a a spook. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. We'll have to cut that down. <laughs> so I did get a few stories. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had asked people. Like, hey, send it in in your own voice, you know, uh, send me like a recording. Or you can just text it, I'll read it, whatever. I got way more texts than I got like recordings, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but we'll include whatever we got, okay? Um, How exciting. You want me to start us off with something? Yeah. Can we get an intro, though, a proper one with the voice effect? Okay. Okay. 
it's officially spooky, scary story time. All right. So, uh, you know what? Let's just, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to read them in the order that I received them. Okay. Okay. Zach Henniger. Um, I tattooed him. I want to say like a week ago, I did that skull on his hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he sent me a story, okay? The night before I was baptized, at the age of 19, I'd been out late playing Ultimate Frisbee. It's already spooky. Yeah. He plays Frisbee. I'm just messing with you, Zach. Around 2 a.m., we wrapped up and decided to call it a night. Mid-April night, nice and cool, so I was driving with the windows down. As I came to the stoplight in front of me, or it, it came to the stoplight in front of the mansion on Adams Street in Temple, Texas, my windshield, rear window, as well as all of my mirrors completely fogged over. My initial response was to put on the wipers, but the fog was on the inside of the window. I pulled my shirt off and started to wipe it off. But as I started to look out ahead of me, I could see shadows of people running in the streets cast from the streetlights. But like I said, it was two in the morning and there was not a soul to be seen. I panicked. I ran the red light as well as every other light and stop sign on the way to my brother's house. Each time I went under another street light, the shadows followed. Once I made it to my brother's house, I ran from my truck to the front door. As I was in the process of unlocking the door, I audibly heard something running in the yard towards me. Right after I got into the house and slammed the door shut, there was a second slam of something hitting the door just as I had closed it. Dang. And I think it's interesting that that's the the night before he got baptized. You know what I mean? And I didn't ask him, and I should have thought to ask him. I wonder if the baptism was already planned. Yeah. Like like if you knew, like, oh, I'm getting baptized tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Because I'm a full... 100% 100% firm believer in, like, um, demonic presence. Yeah. You know? And this man was about to give his life to the Lord. It would make sense to me that something out there was trying to attack. Yeah. Get a little well, spooky. I like the fact that he was very descriptive, though, as yeah. I'm, like, That's painting a good story. the image uh-huh. in my head. That is, it's not coincidental, I don't think. I don't think so, either. I, I don't think anything in this world really is coincidental. Um but I thought that was a interesting story. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> spooky for sure. Well, it's, it's I a, think that sets the mood. Yeah. Right? It has a lot of buildup. But like that last part where yeah. he's like running to the door and it slams it shut. And then after it's shut and you hear that slam. Yeah. Against which it, like reaffirms like something was falling. Yeah. I him. wasn't imagining it. Like there was yeah. something chasing me through the yard. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Zach, I'm wondering with the heat. I wonder how he slept that night. That's going to be a hard one to. Uh, maybe that's why he got baptized. <laughs> he was like, nope, nope. He went in the house, closed the door, immediately ran and grabbed the Bible off the shelf. Yeah. That's crazy. He's like, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. <laughs> um, did you have any stories? Uh, I have a couple. Because I have one too. So I think, like, you know, we'll read one. Mm-hmm. You can share, read a couple more. I'll share, you know? Um, and, Mine took place at one specific house. Okay. Um, so in high school, we had a band, uh, Esperanza's Espionage. <laughs> we would practice at Nick's house. 
and he lived in a house that was like kind of like in the ghetto kind of not uh over off of ws young by like people's elementary okay yeah that's and, the ghetto yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway we would practice in his garage and stuff and then after we were done we would like hang out in the living room uh eat watch tv play video games all that kind of stuff and we would all it would just be us his mom would be at work we were all like just hanging out nobody's in the garage and we can hear not just like drumsticks like falling off the drum set but like toms being hit the kick drum being kicked to where it was like kind of unsettling we would kind of just like brush it off like it's like it was nothing but at and first we were like oh it could be like a rat on like the kick yeah, drum but you gotta like understand how much pressure is yeah. needed for that uh what do you call it the part that actually hits the drum uh the mallet yeah yeah um that and then um same house it was me nick austin and i'm laying in nick's bed uh on my phone nick and austin are in the living room which i can see from his room or whatever and i'm laying down i have socks on and all of a sudden i feel like this cold like really cold air breeze like uh on the back of my feet or the bottom of my feet and I immediately turn around. There's nobody there. I get up. And I run out. And I'm, like, seeing what they're doing. And they were like, oh, we're just sitting right here. Like, nothing happened. Yeah. And it, like, kind of spooked me a bit just putting that and then the previous occurrences. Yeah, for sure. With that. Yeah, it's spooky. I think it's spookier that that drum or that um, the ghost or spirit, demon, whatever, just, like, felt like. Yeah, and we I, would talk. I gotta, I gotta lay this beat down, real quick, right? You know, and we would talk. It'd be like, funnier if y'all were all in the house and it just starts like, right? <laughs> like it's like grooving, you know. Well, we would also like we'd practice, and then after like practice, like we turn everything off and put everything away or whatever. As we would talk about as we were playing, we would hear like a faint, like not screaming, but like it. You could hear like another voice, like going along with the the music which it could have been somebody outside but like just putting all those things together it's a little yeah yeah for we, sure we never really looked into if like somebody like killed themselves in the house yeah or if somebody was murdered yeah but some kind of spooky, spooky explanation stuff. um okay i got one from allison my sister-in-law this is my brother's wife i also got a really good one from my brother which i will share after this uh, they say that if there is a spirit slash ghost slash whatever in your presence, they, the departed, can let you know by smell and sound that is out of place. When my father was put on hospice, he decided he wanted to die at home. They set up a hospital bed for him in the master bedroom. It was on the half of the room that you walked through to get to the bathroom. If you've ever been around sick people in a hospital setting, then you know there is a smell associated with them. It's not a bad smell, just a medical smell that can't quite be described. In the last couple weeks of my dad's life, his bedroom smelled like that all of the time. Again, not a bad smell, just a unique one. One day I was going to grab something out of the master bathroom, and I had to walk by that half of the room. When I crossed that side, I was overwhelmed with the scent I had smelled when my dad was dying. It confused me, so I walked out of the bathroom and was hit with it again. It freaked me out because my dad had passed several years before, so I left the bedroom and didn't go back in for a few days. There was no reason that smell should have lingered, and I have no idea why it was there. 
I hope that if my dad was trying to let my 13-year-old self know he was still with me, he wouldn't do it with smells. But based on what I remember, that is exactly his sense of humor. So, shrug. <laughs> it was such an intense and bizarre experience. The right... <clears throat> it was such an... It, it, it was such an intense and bizarre experience that I never told anyone, but I really think something otherworldly was happening. It's never happened since, but sometimes I still feel him with me in quotes maybe he learned that i don't like smell associated memories it wasn't a bad smell my dad didn't stink <laughs> um and she said sorry your sister-in-law is lame i hope you get some good stories i think that's actually a wonderful story yeah um well, i think that's also like a common thing too for sure um, for sure but it makes me think can we like imagine like a smell that's not really there, you know what I mean? For sure. But I don't know. Because that's a good that's a good feelings. question. I mean, the mind is powerful, yeah. right? You know? So um like smells can trigger memories, but can memories trigger smells? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Because my my dad would tell me the same thing, like uh if he smelt like old spice, it would remind him of his granddad. Uh-huh. But it it's like, is he imagining that smell or is that like smell really there? And we don't really keep like old spice and stuff around, but like that attachment to that specific smell brings those memories. But is the mind powerful enough to just like imagine it and like tell yourself, oh, I smell this, you know, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's a good question. And uh, realistically, we'll probably never know. You know, no. I think we'll know when we're dead and we find out what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. And by then it's too late because it's not like we can report back. What yeah. if that's what every supernatural occurrence is? It really is like ghosts. Just reporting but They're back. just trying to tell us yeah. like, hey, it's real. Yeah. You know? And then we're just like, ah. <laughs> um. So I thought that one was cool. That one was, that my, was again, one. that's Alice and my sister-in-law. Um, this one. So, uh. Now, I want to preface and say that I have not pre-screened any of these. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to experience them at the same time that the listeners are getting to experience it. You know what I mean? Um, so, I also have some audio files. I have more text to read. I got sent a couple videos that I could use the audio from. But I have not heard any of these stories. Okay. So, uh, the next one I got from uh, Jonathan Wazinski, who is the... Uh, bass player for Granger that I tattooed a couple weeks back. Mm -hmm. um, he sent me an audio file of him telling the story. We're going to listen to that now. Again, I haven't listened to this yet. It's about two minutes long, so let's check that out. So there was a time early in my touring career where I played this dance hall outside of uh, Austin over and over, and it was notoriously haunted. Um, they had guys from TV shows, ghost hunters, come and investigate this place over and over and over. They had art on the walls and murals, everything dedicated to the ghost lore. I, uh, I didn't believe any of it, and uh, I don't think I really believe in ghosts to this day, but there was one instance where uh, I was playing one night, and... Uh, Nothing out of the usual. We were drinking too much on stage and saying goofy stuff. But uh, even wearing in-ears, I heard this fan that was on the wall, kind of close to the stage, 
just kick on and not just kick on it kicked on full blast and this thing was coated in dust so it blasted dust everywhere uh i i heard it over the noise on the stage that's how loud it was but uh I glanced over, and the owner was standing in between me and the fan, and so he looked over and saw saw me watching this fan. He waited until the end of our set, um, and he took me back into the kitchen where the cord for this fan went, and he showed me that the fan had no plug. Uh, I was able to disprove a lot of the the ghost stories of this place, but that... That is one thing that I've never been able to explain, and, uh, yeah, still freaks me out. Yo. That is pretty spooky. That, um... I think it's funny, because, like, so many of these stories, if you were to listen to them with, like, a common knowledge of pop culture, you would think, like, oh, that it sounds like a movie. It sounds yeah. like it was inspired by movies. But, um, and we actually discussed this on a previous episode. It might have been the Nightmare episode, where we were talking about, yeah, but, like, what inspires those movies, right? Yeah. And this, like, sounds like the kind of thing to me, that, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd see that in a movie, because... Throughout human history, people yeah. have had these weird experiences mm-hmm. that they can't, like, really. That one's weird. Explain. Yeah, because of just the the nature of the way electrical current works. Mm-hmm. There is no way to power a fan that is not plugged into an electrical grid. You know, like a circuit is not being completed if the fan is not plugged in. Well, like, because like, if it was plugged in, I could say like. Old piece of machinery. Yeah. Um, the all that you do when you switch something on is you close a circuit. Okay. So there's two pieces of metal that are not connected. All right. So there's no electricity passing from metal A to metal B. When you flip it on, all you're doing is closing that circuit. You're either pushing those two pieces of metal together or you're adding another piece of metal in the mm-hmm. middle so that electricity can go through. Okay. That's it. If it was plugged in, you could say like the switch failed, the yeah. spring mechanism that keeps the metal apart failed, something like that. But if it's not pu- plugged in, there's there's physically no explanation. Yeah, you know. Oh, even was it the owner? He said maybe they were just rocking so hard that there was maybe. electricity in the air. The owner was like, eh. you know, you ever think of that, John? <laughs> you ever? Maybe you were just rocking. R A W K. You feel? That's a good one. I thought that was a good or one. Or even too. having like the people Spooky. come out and yeah, I think yeah, it's a history of that. Well, and I think it's, but mm, but what if the owner that took him back to show him the plug was just trying to keep like the haunted mystique alive? You know, like but the owner if, goes and unplugs it and is like, "Oh, well, come look at this." Or hear me out. Okay, what if the owner? Is a ghost. Is the ghost, <laughs> right? That <laughs> be the sixth sense. Some kind of twist ending. I see dead people. Um Okay. I would like to share the really good story I got from my brother. Okay. Okay. Hold on, guys. This one's which by the way. My brother is coming to visit in November, and he wants to do an episode of the podcast. Tight. So the listeners will get to meet my brother in the next couple weeks. I was going for a walk at about 4.30 in the morning, 
looked over to my left, and I saw this row of lights that was moving horizontally to the horizon from left to right. The lights were moving together as if they were on one object. They were twinkling, but there was no fluctuation in speed or distance from each other. It looks like one solid object. By the time I was able to take the second picture, he sent me a couple pictures. It started to fade by the time I went for a third picture. It was gone. I have no idea what it was. It was huge, and there it was, moving fast, and then it was gone. And then I responded, isn't that Starlink? And then he responded, Wow, I just looked up pictures. You might be right. <laughs> uh, and I, I said, I did respond and say, it's okay. It would be freaky if you weren't aware, for yeah. sure. If you didn't know what Starlink was, that would be freaky. And I will say, though, the pictures he sent me are odd, okay? Because Starlink is is like a, a line of lights. Yeah. It's a line of, of uh, satellites, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but but you can make out individual lights on it. And the pictures he sent, it definitely is like one solid yeah. line of light. That one there looks like maybe there's a little separation. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> I remember seeing all those videos on TikTok where, where, like before it was common knowledge what Starlink looked yeah. like right after Elon like uh, launched it. Mm-hmm. It, that thing was all over TikTok. It was like, oh my God, UFO sighted in Sacramento. <laughs> and it was, yeah. Luckily, the comments are pretty good about uh, educating us, you know? Of course. We'll say that. We'll say educating us. Uh, let's jump into the next one. Just got this one literally 11 minutes ago. Okay. So coming in clutch, my homie, Jeremiah Justice. Again, haven't listened to this yet. Don't know what it's about, but let's listen to it together. Let me see how long it is. This is th- this will be about three minutes, okay? And he's driving currently. Wow. So he actually took the time to record this and send it to us while driving. Um, clutch, I'm going to try to clean up the audio as much as I can, the same way I, I go through and clean up our audio. But let's listen and see what he has to say. It's about three minutes long. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, hope you can hear me. Um, currently still driving back to Houston from Dallas, but, uh, yeah, a little spooky, unexplained thing uh, happened to me while camping a couple of years back. I took me and the dogs on a solo trip, uh, about two hours west of San Antonio, and I'm hanging out, camping, doing normal activities together all day, fishing, hiking, etc. Nighttime rolls around, and course i light up the campfire uh campfire is going going strong having a good night roast marshmallows uh cook the steaks for the dogs right just having a normal night um no weather conditions are crazy it's just you know hardly cloudy calm calm night um out of nowhere this large gust of wind blows through large gust of wind i mean like there's leaves flying up and everything uh, gust of wind ends and my campfire is still going perfectly strong not five seconds after that gust of wind is over I hear a faint screeching or like a whistling sound uh, keep in mind I'm in the middle of the woods so that could be anything uh, the last time I heard that noise it, sounded, it was a mountain lion uh, when I was up in the Franklin Mountains in El Paso I was like I've heard that noise before it's probably a mountain lion really far away no big deal 
after that scream, not two seconds after I hear that noise, my campfire goes completely out. Completely out. Uh, no embers, like I don't see anything, everything is just out. The ash is there, but nothing's on fire. No red embers floating around, nothing. Campfire just goes out. I'm like, okay. I mean, campfires just go out sometimes. No worries. So, uh, it's really late. I'm like, okay, cool. No big deal. I'll just put the campfire out, pour water over it. Uh, went to bed. Went inside the tent and slept. Cool. About an hour into my sleep, I wake up. Just have a sudden urge to wake up. Oh, sorry, this car's being an idiot. Um, and I wake up, hour into my sleep. Go outside, take a piss. Outside of the tent, take a piss. I hear that same scream, whistle, scream, screech. And the fire kicks back on. In the middle of the night, after the same scream that put my fire out. Now... I just cocked it up as a really fucking weird coincidence, um, but that was definitely uh, a little scary experience while I was out camping, so um, I just cocked it up as a mountain lion or some kind of animal, but the fact that the campfire went out so suddenly and uh, started back up so suddenly, like I, I literally saw it start back up, pretty scary. So Damn. that was Jeremiah Justice. Yeah, that's spooky. Yeah. I wonder, because you know, like. Because everything else, like, you can chalk up to coincidence. Yeah, 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 but yeah. a fire just reigniting after yeah. being out for hours? What? Yeah. Well, I wonder how his dogs reacted, too. Because, you, you know, like, people yeah, they're, say, they're like, they're kind of like in tune. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But, yeah, that's why I was thinking, like, oh, okay, it just suddenly went out. But, like, it like starting again yeah that's the that's the weird part yeah right i would have dipped out <laughs> surprising stayed. when it went out i probably would have dipped out yeah like eh, yeah this ain't this ain't it chief man that's that's pretty nuts yeah yeah because like every, like it's everything else like he was saying like you can explain maybe mountain lion maybe uh you know we had talked on a previous episode about that time me and josh were out fishing and heard that crazy sound yeah it sounded like someone screaming across the lake like a blood curdling female zombie scream and yeah. then the next day he sent me a video where it was actually like a mating call of an animal yeah. you know what i mean um <clears throat> but i don't know how you explain a fire going out and then like an hour plus later yeah like and he said it just went out right mm -hmm. he said no embers nothing no. like it was a roaring fire and then it just like was gone okay and then hour plus later just I did, there's no explanation for that logically yeah. i don't think be gone demons <laughs> be gone demons thank you jeremiah for that story that is absolutely terrifying. We need to figure out where exactly that was because I want to look and see if there's any other stories on the internet yeah, of that yeah. place. That would know? be interesting. I'd like to know what woods specifically he was in. Um, I want the geographic like <laughs> specific coordinates of where that was at. Okay, we got another one here. Okay, there we go. Uh, 
This is from our good friend, homie, Jeremy Zills, not Sills. Um, but these are not his stories. I did ask him if he had any stories. He said no, but he had a coworker who did. And he said his daughter might have one. And he sent us both of them typed up a story and then they sent him in to us. Okay. Tight. Um, now I, I would actually like to know, uh, Let's see, this was the first one. So I think this is from the co... Wait, okay. So this might be from the daughter. And and then I think the other one is from the co-worker. My mom picked me up from work when I closed that night. So it was about 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. We were driving home, going over the bypass. And right before we took the exit, I pointed out a lot of cop lights coming up the road. We both turn our heads to look. And when she turns her head back to the road, there's a man lying in the middle of the road. She looked back just in time to make sure we did not run him over. He had his arms just under his head like he was ready for whatever could happen to him lying in the middle of the exit. As we are driving past him, we can see the cops walking outside with their flashlights they're, like they're trying to find someone. We drive over there, and um, my mom told them what just happened. He speaks... Oh, okay. He speaked into his radio and then send, sent us on our way. So that was one story they had shared. Um, and then, so it's, they're sharing two separate stories. This is a separate story, um, which that actually reminds me of a time before I get into the second story. I'm not going to share names um, because it was actually a really big deal to, to my friend. Um, so one of my old best friends, one of my bandmates way back in the day, uh, actually hit and killed a guy on the highway in Killeen. Um, and, and what they found out when this happened was that the cops were so he's on on the highway mm -hmm. as he's going over one of the uh, uh, overpasses um i think the one out in front of like uh uh what's that chicken place on the highway pluckers um, oh, okay guy yeah. steps out in front of him he's he's going 60 65 yeah. you know and the dude jumped out in front of him with like 15 feet so he slammed on the brakes, but hit the dude. Yeah, uh, got out of the car, called the called the cops, called the paramedics. They tried to coach him into giving the dude like CPR mm -hmm. over the phone, and he said like the dude literally died like while he was like working on him before anybody showed up. Mm -hmm. um, the worst part of that is that dude's family tried to sue my friend uh, for wrongful death, but. <clears throat> the cops showed up, and it turned out the cops were out looking for that guy mm. when it happened. So they think, like, the dude just basically used my friend to commit suicide. Yeah. Horrible story. <clears throat> anyway, let's get into her next story. And I'm pretty sure these are the ones from the daughter. So, um, okay. One night, I was closing my job, and there were two other ladies there closing with me. Everyone else had gone home, so it was just the three of us. It's probably about 12 a.m., and my friend and I are just waiting on the manager to finish up so we can all walk out together. The manager is finishing paperwork, and my friend and I are standing in the lobby. The store has glass windows all around it, so we have a good view of the parking lot. We start to see the car drive around the store more than once. So some random car starts driving around the store. So we turn off all the lights and move closer to the office, so hopefully they will not see us. As soon as we move close to the office, the phone rang. We uh, were all really scared at this point. My manager picks up the phone and no one was there. Just seconds after that, all the cameras go out and we can't see anything. I pull, um, I pull us into the office and pull my friend in there too and lock the door. 
Now we are all in the office just waiting to see if the cameras come back on. When they do, my manager finishes her work quickly and we all leave. The next day, my manager comes to us and says, did we hear the news? But we hadn't. That night, when we got the phone call and the cameras went out, uh, after we left, left, the cops found and found a man wrapped in a blanket across the street from us. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's... And like, and that they might not even be related, but the odds, yeah, you know, like all of it lining up, and the fact that the cameras went out mm-hmm. because, I mean, that would have had to have meant that like they would have had to have like cut a line or something, so that way there wouldn't be any cameras, yeah, watching so, them drop a body off, yeah, you know, well, even like the phone thing. <sighs> Someone had to intentionally make that call. Yeah. I think that's like all put together to make sure like, because the, the phone went off before the camera's going out, right? Well, the phone rang. They answered it. No one was there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think they were trying to see if the yeah. electricity was still on and then. That could be. That could cutting be. Cutting the line so the yeah. cameras weren't there. Okay. So this is also from Jeremy. Okay. But it's a forwarded email from his coworker. Um, and I'm just looking at the email address here, so I'm assuming his coworker's name is Robert. Um, there's also a last name here, but since he didn't send it, I don't want to give the last yeah. name. So we'll just say Robert. Several years ago, I was staying overnight at my future in-law's house, and I had to share a bedroom with my fiance's little brother. In the room was a bunk bed in the far corner by a large window that had a beautiful view of the railroad tracks next to the house. I was on the bottom bunk. My fiance's little brother was on the top bunk. I remember waking up freezing cold and breathing out steam. This was weird because it was probably 75 degrees in the house. I tried to go back to sleep and thought the train was coming by because the room started rumbling. So now I'm lying there pissed off because I'm cold and the train's coming and I got to be up at 5 a.m. I look out the window to see where the train is and there is no train coming at all. Now I'm getting nervous. Why is it so cold and where is the train is at? I lay back down, and now the bunk bed is shaking. So I yelled at my fiance's little brother, stop shaking the effing bed. He starts crying because I woke him up, and the bed starts jumping off the floor at least one to two inches nonstop. I jump out of the bed thinking he's having a temper tantrum. He's now sitting up in the bed, and we are both watching this bed violently jump up and down on the floor. At the same time, it got even colder, and we both were breathing out steam, looking at each other with pure WTF. He starts screaming and crying, running to his mom and dad's room, and I ran out of that damn house and slept in my car. Long story short, a priest came to bless the house, but refused to enter the house. He said it was not a good time right now. So my mother-in-law called a bruja, which is a witch, um, to cleanse the house. I remember black ashes and smoke falling from the ceiling. That place has a history for sure. That. Mm-hmm. Sounds like something from The Exorcist. For sure. But like again, those are historical instances that are, are based in yeah. reality. You know, they are based in uh, real real events that have happened that we have like historical documentation of. Like exorcisms yeah. and things like that, you know. So uh and and why why is every story so similar? There has to be some connection. Yeah, there has to be some grain uh, of truth. Yeah. Right? Because of the fact that every story has, you know, 
smells, mm-hmm. cold air, things like that. Like there has to be some metaphysical impact on our environment when these things happen. If every story was completely different, I think it would sound more made up than the fact that yeah. a lot of them, like the little details line up. A lot you know? less uh, convincing. But yeah, the fact for that sure. he got up, the kid's still in the bed and it's being lifted off the ground. Like, yeah, I think if I would have saw that, I would have <laughs> ran out the house too. Cause that's, I think I, w- I might've been afraid to get out of the bed, like until it stopped. Yeah. I, I, you know I what I'm saying? Said, like yeah, if I'm yeah. on the top bunk and this thing's jumping two inches. I think I would have just like grabbed the rails and like held on for the ride. Um, so I technically have, uh, I think, two more, but one of them, listen, Stefano, my brother in Christ, I, I want to share yours, but it's over eight minutes long, and there's a lot of information in there that's not pertinent to the story itself. I did ask him, like, hey, would you mind re-recording a shorter, more concise version and send it in? And he said, I'm at work. Just fire me. So I take that to mean that we are unfortunately um, not going to share Stefano's story this time. But I do have one more story from my buddy Josh Watson, who is a good friend of mine that I was in a band, a couple bands with back in the day. Um, and again, haven't listened to this story yet either. So let's uh, let's see what's going on here. okay hold on a sec because this story apparently i have to listen to the whole thing before it'll let me start it from the beginning it's it's like an instagram audio message so Mm. there's no like slider on it all right all right here we go so a few years ago me and a co-worker that uh, worked at the prison up there in gatesville are sitting back there in this hallway and we're just sitting there talking and around the corner there's another hallway and it's got doors on both sides and they both lock and of course you know we have the keys to these to this hallway all around the corner we're the only ones that have this key and there's a phone in that hallway there's a phone in our hallway so we're just sitting there talking and then we hear the phone ring in the other hallway and so we're both like <sighs> I don't really want to get up and go answer this phone, but whatever, let's go answer this phone. So we go over there. And as we start to unlock the door, we hear the other phone sound like it's getting slammed into the table. And it's just like, ching, ching, ching. And then we hear like this loud, like plastic, like thing that sounded like it broke. So we're just like, what the heck is going on? So we open the door. And we see this phone is like laying on the ground all smashed up. And, you know, there's nobody in this hallway. I mean, both both doors are locked on either side. So we just got really creeped out. We locked the door back and just leave. We, we turned the lights out and just, just left. Like, <laughs> we were creeped out. And just like, yeah, we're not gonna spend any more time back here. This is like the creepiest thing in the world. Uh, that's probably the creepiest thing that's ever happened. Yeah, well, it's pretty creepy. Spooky. So they said there's a phone on the other side of a locked door mm-hmm. that starts ringing. So they're going to unlock the door to answer it. Then they hear the phone sound like it's getting slammed. Mm-hmm. And when they unlock the door, the phone was like on the ground broken. Yeah. 
So they just turned the light off, locked the door, walked like, away. Yeah, I don't blame them. Like, yeah. nope. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not going to miss this call. Yeah. I open up. Yeah. And the freaking phone. Yeah. Because the odd that this like, this nah. this call is like publisher clearinghouse telling you you're a millionaire. Like very very small odds. Yeah. Like you probably don't need to take that call. You know what I'm saying? It probably wasn't even an important yeah, call. Yeah, you can miss that call. You, know, you can miss that call. Trying to reach you to tell you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> you know? On that note, it is officially time for a small ad break, and then we are going to come back and keep the spooky train rolling until the end of this episode. Me right back. Hey, Josh here. Just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Iron Right Tattoo podcast, it really helps us to beat the algorithm with likes, comments, and shares. If you haven't subscribed already, please do that, and don't forget to hit that bell. And if you haven't already done so, please leave us a review. Thanks. Okay, so as a special treat, we have one more story because I lied. I didn't lie. What happened was I went outside during our break and I decided, let me see if I can edit Stefano's story down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did pre-screen this one. This is the only one I pre-screened, but it's actually a really good story. So I'm glad I was able to edit it down. So I got it down from eight and a half minutes to uh, six minutes and 16 seconds. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and listen to his story real quick. And then, um, yeah. All right. And here we go. Go. Okay. So spooky story time. Um... How old was I? I was like 25, 24, something around there. And I was at my best friend Brittany's house and we were in uh, Glendora, California. And uh, where where's Brit- Brittany's house is, and this is important for the story for context, is that it sat on uh, like a, a water channel. And so right behind the house was like a tall um, like brick wall. And on the other side of it was literally like a fall into like, I might be exaggerating, but like a hundred foot into the water channel. And let's see, um, the back of her house has like a big window in the family room and along, along the big window was a couch and there was like another couch recliner type thing and then the TV. And, um, I hope I'm, it's a, like a rectangle room. I hope I'm like painting a visual, um, probably not that well. But so I'm sitting on the couch closest to the big window. And my friend, my bestie, Brittany, she was uh, taking a shower. She was getting ready. We were about to watch, um, of all things, uh, Disney movies. Um, so I'm sitting there and like, I don't know if you ever get that feeling that like someone's watching you. And so I, I looked out the window but obviously nothing was there, right? I felt I felt that like someone was staring at me again. And Brittany, for context, has two brothers, and uh, one of them super prankster. Um, and so I was thinking maybe he was like trying to spook me or something. 
And so like, I look out the window and I'm looking really hard into the darkness. And you know, when you like, you look at the darkness for long enough, like your eyes adjust. And as I was like, so like, I can see the wall, I could see the brick wall and I could see the, the broken jacuzzi back there and the chairs and the porch, I could see it all. And I'm looking because something about it seems distorted. And as I'm staring, whatever was camouflaged to look like everything in the backyard moved. It's hard to explain, but it, it's like I was staring and it shifted. And then I was just like, I freaked out and I jumped up and I was like, what the fuck? And then the, the brother that I thought was pranking me came out from the back of the house. And he was like, what are you yelling at? And I was just like, you weren't outside? And he was like, no, I wasn't outside. What are you shouting at? And I was like, I swear, maybe it's like a homeless person or something. Like there's someone in the backyard. And um, he was like, okay, let's go check it out. And he was so like ready to do it. It made me feel like it was still a part of the joke, right? Um, that he could have been pranking me. And so like I grab, of all things, I grab a bat. They use the bat to like secure the sliding glass door. So I grab the bat, he grabs a flashlight and a broom. <laughs> and I make him go first, even though he's younger. Um, and so he walks out back and he's like shining the light. We both like, as we're like scanning with the flashlight, like I'm following, we both like stop and we're staring at the jacuzzi because something about it is just, it's just not right. It's hard to explain, but like I could feel how fast his heart was beating because mine was just like, it was like our beats were matching because we were so like intent and like we can feel that there was something there. Whatever it was, it looked like the wall and it jumped, jumped onto the top of the jacuzzi and then over the wall. And we both get inside and we were freaking out. And we're like yelling and I'm like, did you just see that? And he was like, did you just see that? And I was just like, oh my God, I don't know what we just saw. And he was just like, I don't know what we just saw either. And Brittany comes out and she's like, she has a towel around her head and she's like, what are you two yelling about? And I was just like, I think we just saw a fucking alien. And then he was like, we didn't see an alien. Like, we don't know what we saw. And I was just like, how could something just like blend into the wall? Like it just, it was, it looked, like lifelike, like it had arms and legs, but like it was the exact same color of the, like the brick stone-ish color wall. And so Brittany turns on the back porch lights and we take the flashlights and we go check over the wall. There's nothing down there. You know, there's just the water and the, the rocks and stuff. There's no way that a human could have jumped that and survived. And we get inside and she was just like, y'all are running wild. And I was just like, I know what I saw. I know what I felt. And so does he. And he like, he walked in the back of the room and he was like, I or the back of the house. And he was like, I didn't, I don't, I don't know what I saw. I don't know what I saw. And, um, 
to this day, he refuses to tell the story. I can't give definitives, right? Because like, but I'm almost certain that we had an encounter with an alien. Uh, my results are inconclusive, but I am like, I know what I felt. I know what I saw, like, and I think it was an alien and you can think I'm crazy if you want to, but fuck it. And that is my spooky story for this Halloween season. So <clears throat> that's Stefano's story. And I think that's a good one. It that is. might be actually one of my favorite ones of the episode. Yeah, that uh, he painted it very well. Yeah, because like uh, I, I can see it in my head. Yeah, like it's camouflaged. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look quite right, but you can tell something's there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I feel like, like what if? Because yeah. we've all had those moments in our life where we think we see something, yeah. but we're like convince ourselves, oh, there's nothing there. Yeah. My eyes are playing tricks on me. Yeah, and it's like like you said like i think everybody's experienced that at least once of like looking at something in the dark and like your mind starts like to race and like paint a picture but it's not really there you know what i mean which is like it's a leftover defense mechanism from a time where we had to protect ourselves from predators you know what i'm saying like uh, our ability to make out faces and shapes in darkness or Mm -hmm. things like that you know um, um goes back to like a, a tiger being in the tree line, yeah, you know, when we were just like villagers and stuff and, and needing to be able to uh, pick those things out. But what, so, you know, it, it could be a trick of the brain or it could be things we're seeing that we're not supposed to see that's like a leftover, like evolutionary trait of, yeah. of self-defense, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like it might have, could have been an animal because I don't think he recalled of like, describing what it looked like well no he said like that you could tell it had arms and legs yeah like, I, it was sort yeah. of shaped like a human but it was completely camouflaged to look like its surroundings and i would think if like aliens were like real it would yeah. be able to like do that kind of thing you know what i mean well he actually went on in a large portion that i had to like when i was editing it down for time afterwards he had talked about like how he did research after the fact and you know he'd looked up like theories on aliens and theorists mm-hmm. and stuff like that and he had found a lot of stuff that had talked about like their ability to camouflage and mm-hmm. how if we had been visited by aliens most likely they were here to like observe and report yeah like blend in observe us study what we're doing and then go home kind of thing because obviously if they were here with hostile intent like we'd all they be would dead have, you yeah. know <laughs> like we we yeah, wouldn't know sure. about it because we'd be gone you know what i'm saying so um but yeah i thought i thought that was a cool yeah, it's, you know and i still cool. i don't know where i stand on alien stuff like that yeah. but it's i also don't want to like uh i'm not going to discount his story because he clearly you know it's not necessarily I don't think it's aliens. I I don't know. I don't actually know. Yeah. But he there's enough has very details. strong opinions yeah. on what he saw, and he you know has someone there that was with him to mm-hmm. sort of like corroborate like, and even if they haven't discussed what they think it was, they don't agree on what they think it was because like he was saying the brother was like doesn't want to tell the story now and yeah. stuff. They both know they saw something. Yeah, you know that jumped over a wall to a hundred foot cliff basically yeah 
And that's the scary thing. Man, I don't know that don't. I'd want to live there either. I'd be waiting no, for me either. like a rock slide and your whole yeah. backyard's gone, you know? Well, that's the scariest thing. <laughs> yeah. Not that's knowing that's what it is. Yeah. They were going to have a Disney night. That's the scary <laughs> part of that story. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was a good one. Um, kind of reminds me of Signs, the way it's like built up. Yeah. Well, Signs, uh, in that movie, they camouflage Mm -hmm. in that movie they camouflage there's a scene in that movie where the alien like puts his hand i think on someone's shirt or no what it is is the kid's wearing like a flannel shirt and they show a part they show a scene where the camera like pans i think behind the alien and it's showing how the alien skin is trying to mimic the flannel pattern to like blend in Mm -hmm. and that's like why we couldn't see him or whatever um so yeah who knows? Cool story, though. Creepy. Creepy. Like French people. <laughs> Creepy. Get it? Ricky Booby. <laughs> just say you love the crepes. <laughs> so that just about concludes the spooky stories that we received for this special Halloween episode of the Iron Right Tattoo Podcast. Um, we actually don't even really have any questions. Um, and by don't even really... I mean that I don't think we got any questions. Uh, I put out the question card a few days ago and um, Cody Murphy, you remember him? He was yeah. on uh, the high school drama episode. I believe it was episode eight. Ele- was it eight? I think it's eight. I was going to say 11. In my head, it's zero, zero, eight. Um, you know what? I can confirm actually right this second. Boom. Dang, on the money. Eight, eleven was um, exploited. Mm. Regardless, uh, he answered the question card and said, who do you think you are? What gives you the right? I guess that's technically a question. Um, statistically speaking, American and American. I don't think that word <laughs> means what you think it means. And then... Devil's Real Entertainment, a.k.a. Dre, said, and I quote, what dat mouth do? That's uh, everything except everything. American. You know what? What? You, What? You know what? What? As a special encore. To the Halloween episode. Are you are you guys out there by round of applause? You want to keep the spooky stories rolling? Can you clap or something? Okay. Ooh, yeah. You guys having fun tonight? I'm, I'm working. I'm going to do stand-up at some point. Uh, I forgot that my brother's best friend to this day uh, also sent something in. I I literally just found like a long lost story that I almost ended this episode without even playing. So, uh, and it looks like this is a longer one. So we are going to end the podcast with this one. Okay. This one is about 11 minutes long. I'm going to set it up to play. As soon as this one's over with, we'll come back, discuss, and then we'll uh, say our goodbyes. All right? All righty. All righty. This would have been probably 2007 spring. Um, 
I was in college in Stephenville, Texas at Charlton State. And, uh, you know, I started college off a little bit differently than a lot of people, um, kind of in my age back then. Uh, had a wife and a daughter. Um, first semester of college, we wound up getting divorced. And um, I would spend a lot of my weekends back in Temple with my daughter. Um, I'd drive back to Temple, hang out with her for the weekend, and then drive back to school on Sunday. And at the time, I had a Mystic Teal Trans Am, which was kind of my pride and joy, um, you know, besides my kid, of course. But uh, yeah, I had that Mystic Teal Trans Am. And in Mystic Teal, it's, it's kind of like a, a greenish blue, and it could be green, it could be blue, and also could have some purple in it. And uh, it would kind of color shift um, between those three colors. And I'd spent a pretty good amount of time and money on getting it just perfect. Um, I'd had some work done on the like, driver's side door. There was like a couple door dings. And uh, um, there were some spots on like the side skirts that I'd gotten um, repainted, which wasn't cheap because it's, like I said, it's Mystic Teal. So it, it's color changing and, and it was hard to match. So I was, I was pretty proud of that car and I had gone to see my kid and, um, you know, she went back to her mom and I wound up a little bit of time to kill that evening. And I, uh, I washed and waxed it, detailed it at my parents' house and all that. And, you know, like I said, it's springtime. So it, it was feeling pretty good. And I decided to take the T-tops off, put the windows down and, uh, and drive home to Stephenville. Well, once you get past, um, you, you leave Temple and you're, you're traveling on the little highway. Uh, once you, you get about, you know, 30 miles kind of past there, there's a, there's a small country road that turns off that, uh, winds up, it winds up, uh, exiting out by Heiko, um, which is kind of on the outskirts of Stephenville. So, uh, it, it shaved off probably a good 20, 30 minutes from the drive. And I want to say all in all, if you took the main roads, it was like, an hour and probably 30, 45 minutes. Um, but you could make it there in about an hour, 15 minutes to an hour and a half, depending if you kind of just took that back road. And the back road was roughly 30 miles. Um, and it was divided up into kind of three sections. And you had the first 10 miles, then you had a stop sign. And there was a uh, another little country highway that it would intersect. And then you would go another 10 miles and there was a stop sign and it was a really small community. I don't remember what the community was called, um, but there's, it was really just a handful of houses and like a community center. Um, but it was like on top of like this, this really nice kind of hilly area. And you would, once you left that little community, you would drive down. I mean, it was, it was really gorgeous out there, kind of into the valley kind of area of West Texas. And uh, there was like a golf course out there and it was really nice. Um, and the first 10 mile and the last 10 mile sections were, were pretty nice. But that middle 10 mile section, like, I don't know, it, it always felt weird when I was driving it. Um, and it wasn't just me that had noticed that. Like it was, there was a couple folks that, uh, like friends and stuff that had driven it and they were like, you're right. Like something, something's odd. Like on that, that middle section of road. Um, it could be anything from just feeling like you're being watched or followed. Um, 
noises like kind of like rustling sounds off in the distance um, if you were driving with your windows down and didn't think too much of it you know I'm thinking well it's it's just how it is when you're driving kind of by yourself there's no really other cars out there um, it's mostly just like cornfields and um, a couple pastures with like cows and stuff so uh, didn't really think too much of it um, just it's creepy but there's a lot of things creepy when you're out in the country sometimes so this particular night, like I said, I'm driving back, got my T-tops off, got the windows down, and I hit that cutoff. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go that way tonight. You know, it's a nice night, I'm going to go that way. So I go and turn off, and the first 10-mile stretch, really nice, no big deal. And I get to that middle section, and, you know, I kind of look both ways at the highway that I intersect, and I, I pull across, and I'm driving. Well... I get almost halfway in, um, like to that little section of roadway. I get about halfway in and, um, it, it just sounds like something's in the field next to me. And I keep looking over, you know, to my left and it's on my driver's side. I keep looking over, like I can see movement, you know, in my, on my left side and, it's kind of creeping me out, but again, I'm thinking, well, you know, it's the middle of the night, you know, I had left really late that evening and it was probably past, you know, 10 o'clock. So I'm thinking, well, you know, it's just, it's dark, you know, and then I can't see what's out there, but it was also pretty windy. Um, it's springtime in Texas, so kind of rain comes and goes. So I'm thinking, okay, it's probably just wind, you know, no big deal. So I am driving and I, and like I said, I keep hearing stuff and I keep seeing something and I, I keep staring out that, you know, driver's side and all of a sudden something hits the driver's side of my car, driver's side rear and hits the quarter panel and hits me hard enough that it shifts my car kind of off the road and my passenger side, you know, tires, um, hit gravel and slings the gravel up into my uh, mobile wheels. And I'm ticked, you know. Well, first I'm scared because I'm thinking, I first I thought maybe like a deer hit me. And uh, I was just scared. I was like, holy crap, you know, but I'm driving and I kind of pull back on the road. And everything's driving straight. And I was like, okay, well, if I did hit a deer, great. You know, what? I got insurance, whatever. Um, I'll just, I'll drive it in to Heiko. And there's a couple gas stations there that have really good lighting and I can pull off there and, and kind of check out the damage. And, uh, you know, I really didn't want to stop in the middle of nowhere, backwoods, Texas. Um, especially cause I didn't have my pistol on me at that time. Um, I left it back at the apartment. So usually I keep it in my glove box, but I didn't that day. So I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not stopping, you know, even if it's not a deer, you know, I'm just, I'm not stopping. So I get, towards uh the end of the second or the, the the third stretch and cell phone signal comes back and everything um you know you're kind of out of that dead zone so at the time I, my roommate sean um i kind of called him up and put him on speaker and i was like dude you know you're never gonna guess what happened and he's like you know what happened i said well you know i was driving and i got to the middle section and i said you know something hit my car like a deer or a dog something and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, how, how's the damage? I said, oh, I didn't stop and look. He's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't either. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Heiko. I'm going to stop in the gas station and, and I'm going to check out the damage, you know, get something to drink 
and then get back on the road. And he's like, all right, well, take some pictures, you know, whatever. Let me, you know, send me pictures and, and tell me how it goes. And I was like, all right. So I get into Heiko, pull into a gas station, and I'm just sitting there. And like I said, I was kind of ticked because I just spent a lot of time and money on getting this car, like, perfect. So I'm sitting there, and I'm staring at the driver, the, 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 the steering wheel, and I'm like, all right, you know, let's just get out and see this damage. So I pull out, or I open the door, and I get out, and there's nothing, like, not a single scratch on the car. And like I said, I fully detailed it, you know, that, that day. Um, there wasn't a single scratch on it. There wasn't a dent. There wasn't a ding. Nothing. Um, and I'm just like, I'm thinking to myself, like, did, did that really happen then? You know, like what? And I'd go over to the passenger side and, you know, there's, and the wheel wells and everything, there's, you know, dirt and dust and all the rocks and everything from the, the, uh, the gravel that got flung up, you know, on, on the car. And it's all there. And I was like, well, you know, I went off road. So yeah, it was just, it was super creepy. Um, it scared the wits out of me, you know, at the, at the time. Um, and I, I hated that section of road after that. Like I just, I didn't want to go down it. Um, and I had that Trans Am for about another year or two, sold it, got a truck. Um, and even it didn't matter what I was driving. Like I just, I never felt comfortable in that, that middle section of road. And, uh, I remember, I kind of thought maybe it was all in my head, you know, after so many years after I graduated and left there, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe no. And then no, like every time I would drive up there to see, you know, friends and all that, anytime I'd hit that section, like it, I just got a bad feeling. Um, I never felt quite right, you know, driving on that section of road. So yeah, that, uh, that was probably the creepiest thing that ever happened to me. Um, you know, something hit my car hard enough to push me off the road, um, but didn't leave a scratch on it. You know, didn't didn't ding it, didn't even leave a blemish. You know, or even a even a, a smudge. You know, on the paint, it just the car was pristine. You know, minus the all the dust and everything on the passenger side from where it went off into the gravel. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was that was kind of my my crazy, creepy story. Dude, it is so bizarre that that's the story he chose to tell. Because my apprenticeship was in Stephenville. I was homeless in Stephenville for about a year, you know? And I used to make that drive. And I used to take that same back road that he's talking about. And I used to get the exact same feeling in the stretch of back road. I can see it vividly clear as day in my mind right now. I know exactly where he's talking about. On multiple instances, I would be driving that stretch of road at night with my windows down, just like he was saying. And there's a big patch of that middle section of that road where it's all cornfields and it's super high cornfields. And I am convinced to this day, that I could hear and I thought I could see something running along the side of my car in the cornfield and keeping pace with me. And that's like a 60, you're going like 70 on that road. 
And and on multiple occasions, I got the feeling, and I thought I could see, and I thought I could hear something running along the side of my car and like going the same speed that I was on that same exact stretch of road. Like I fully believe his story. There is something freaky between in that town he was talking about. He said he can't remember the name. I think it's called Ferry. I'm almost positive, like like a ferry, like F A I R Y. Uh, I actually want to look that up real quick. Yeah, it's between, uh, and Heiko is where it comes out. Uh, Heiko is a, that town's spooky. It's got a uh, a diner called the Coffee Cup Cafe, spelled with three Ks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of them one of them towns. Um, yes, look, 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 look. See, here's Gatesville. Ferry Cemetery, there's Heiko, there's Stephenville. Yeah, there's something out there. Like in that one little like 10 mile stretch is where it would always oh, happen okay. to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no you're fine. <laughs> I just realized you were muted. Um, Luckily, all you had said was, hmm. um, <laughs> so, I think we need to take a field trip. Yeah, you want to go yeah. out there? We should also go to that. I think it's in Lampasas, that bridge. You talking about Maxdale? Is that what it is? It's, the Maxdale uh, Bridge? Yeah. It's on yeah. the Lampasas River. I've been there that, so it's many on the times. Yeah. You put powder on your car and supposedly like ham prints will show up in the powder and yeah, push well, your car over the bridge. Well, the tail is the school bus school crossing bus. the bridge. Yeah. Uh, I believe it uh, fell off and like killed. The like kids, the kids yeah. died. And, and now everything. they'll like push your car. Like they yeah. won't let you park on the bridge. They'll push yeah. you over so the bridge so you in don't the front die of or it, whatever. Um, there's like a, not really a gate, but it's like, uh, steel. I guess it's like yeah, a gate or a whatever. Gate, yeah. So you can't go past it. So like you a just park gate. right there, but you can walk to it. And it's been uh, graffitied up like yeah. all the way down. And that bridge is sketchy because there's like some holes in it. Man, but that's a local legend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, well, I've been hearing about that since I was a kid. Well, yeah. you have the cemetery right across from uh -huh. it too. Yeah. It just adds to the creepiness. But no, I want to I've never go taken the road. time to do the research. To see, like, data school bus full of kids actually die. But I don't want to, like, spoil yeah. the 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 magic of, yeah. like, the story. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. But, no, I want to go to that road now. Not, not the one like, out by Heiko? Yeah. It, it, at night, like, there's something in those cornfields. And I live across the street from cornfields. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there's any weird, like, cornfields don't freak me out. I pass 20 miles of them to get to my house every single night, you know? Mm -hmm. But that stretch of cornfield, like, you just feel like there's something in there watching you drive by. And on multiple instances, I, I swear, I fully believe that something was chasing my car from inside the cornfield. I love that. I want to experience that. <sighs> on that note, happy Halloween. You guys stay safe. Peace. Later.